Greetings, this is Pastor Thomas A. Deloach, and this episode is brought to you by To Empower You, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young couples achieve their goals and dreams from a biblical context. From a biblical context. Pastor Thomas A. Deloach. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to To Empower You. I am your host, Thomas A. Deloach, and I'm so glad that you decided to connect with me for these few moments in time. And today I want to talk about contentment. This is a teaching podcast. So as always, grab your Bibles and something to write with and take some notes if that's what you desire to do. Again, this is a teaching podcast. I really want to be a blessing to you today. Let me start off with this quote. It says, I have the mind of Christ. I am the mind of Christ. Whatever I have, I now become. Let's look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 10. This is going to be our launching pad today. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, one verse here, and that's verse number 10. Notice what it says. For the sake of Christ, then... I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This, in my opinion, is a most profound scripture. I don't know anyone that would say I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Maybe you have, but I haven't. Paul here has a tremendous insight in how to flow with the spirit of Christ. And I think that's one of the things we need to understand. How do we flow with the spirit of Christ? How do we get to a place that we are content? I think one of the things he's seeing here and one of the things he's saying here is that I'm not going to take whatever people are doing to me as a personal insult. This is why I can be content in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. But then he puts the icing on the cake. He says, but when I am weak, then I am strong. This word I am. Most people that have sat under my ministry know that the word I am is really talking about God. You remember when Moses said, who shall I say? That is sending me. And God said, I am that I am. So I am is divine principle. It's divine law. It's divine God. And so when we talk about I am, we're talking about the power of God inside of us. Something happened to the apostle on that Damascus road that changed his life forever. And only truly he knows what happened to him. You know, we can read about it, but we really don't have The insight that he has, that's one of the things when we're reading the scripture and we read about somebody's life and we see a life change is something that happened to them that only they can explain because they really know what it is. And even though we're reading it, we really just don't we we were not there. We were not inside Paul's body. We don't know where he was in terms of his mindset, in terms of how he was feeling on that day. But something happened to him that changed his life and everything that he thought he needed. He realized that he didn't. 
And that's the power of contentment. And I want to read here a definition that I think will help us to understand what contentment really is. Notice what it says. To be content is to accept in faith with a thankful heart and a submissive spirit, that which God in his grace and wisdom ordains for us. I think that's really a good depiction of what this whole thing is really about when we talk about contentment. Because one of the key words here is what God has ordained for us in his grace, in his power, his authority, his divine counsel, what he has ordained for us. God has, I want you to know today, he has some things that he has ordained for your life. And so you got to understand that. You got to know that. You got to accept it. That's the problem. We don't accept what God has ordained for our life. And this is where the discontentment happens. But I want you to know that whatever you think you want or whatever you believe you need to have, you have to trust God that he knows. And that's one of the things that I've had to grow into. You will too. Others have as well. We have to grow into and accept what God really has for us because he knows better than we do. He's our parent. And so we are a, we are the children of God. And so we are children. That means that we should be able to be led. We should be able to be guided, corrected, rebuked, uh, loved, admonished. That's what a parent does for a child. So I want you to look at this definition in light of your life and find and see if you are truly thankful. If do you have a submissive spirit, you know, in God's grace and in his wisdom, do you understand that God has ordained some things for your life? Because I don't want you to live your life moving forward after hearing this show, being again discontented and thinking you deserve something. But in God's divine plan, it's not going to happen. Now, here's one of the things that I want you to understand. We should know that all of his promises in the word of God are yea and amen. So getting educated in terms of what God has already prepared for us would help us when we get into a place where we feel disappointed. Maybe we feel disappointed because this was never in the plan of God anyway. We can only have what he has already provided for us. We cannot have what he has not provided. And those are the things that I think the miseducation of the Christian today, both young and old, I believe is the breeding ground for discontentment. I want to give you, if I can here quickly, about seven things that I want you to consider in your own life that you will be able to now, after hearing this, find out. If you are truly contented, I want to give you some tools, put some tools in your bag today that you can pull out to check your own self. And this is where I think we really fail. We don't check our own self, but you must be your own advocate. Don't wait for anybody to be your advocacy. Do it yourself. When you can do it yourself, you're able to track it and see the results as you're working with God and he's the best partner that you can have. Trust me, I know some of the things we think we need, some of the people we think we need around us, we simply do not need them. Allow the wisdom of God, what he has ordained for your life, the people 
He has ordained for you to be connected with. Allow the spirit of God to do that. Don't force relationships. Don't force networking. Don't force business deals. Don't force anything. That's the problem. Many times we're trying to force something that is never supposed to happen. And when we try to force it, we play and we act as if we are God. See, anything that you create or start, you got to maintain it. And this is where stress comes in and frustration comes in and anxiety and worry comes in. We truly have to learn to be content. The key word there is learn. So let me give you number one. Learn contentment for the love of money brings misery. How many times you've heard that? But we got to quote this properly. It's not money in and of itself because we know we need money, but it's the love of money that brings misery. Anytime you put money above God, above family, above anything else, that's where the wheels fall off. God is smart. He's intelligent. He knows you need money. I know you need money. The world knows you need money, but we ought to use money for what the intended purpose is for our assignment. If you have a family, God wants you to be able to take care of them. You know, you have to have resources and certain things for your family and for you and for certain things that he's called you to do. So we understand or should know that we need money. The problem is when we start loving it more than we love God, that's where our heart begins to shift and change. And that's not always good. So, again, we got to learn contentment. How do you learn something that you've never had. God puts you in the school of life. That's how you get it. Every day you're learning how to accept what God's will is for you. Everybody on this road, this Christian road that has named the name of Christ, that has yielded to his power, that has accepted his blood, his resurrection, who has really, who are really Christians, they have to learn in this school called life, the things that we go through, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the joys, the pains, the sorrows. All of this is ordained by God so that we would learn some things. Reading his word helps us to learn some things. Reading about Bible characters and certain things that they went through that we don't necessarily have to go through if we are reading and getting it correctly. I think that's probably the best a teacher in life. We know we're going to have some hardships, but when we read about somebody else's life in the Bible and we say, I'm not going to go that way, that is probably the best education you can get. And if you can learn to be content, learn to have a grateful heart. Many times we don't have a grateful heart. We know we got a heart, but it ain't always grateful because we want things we shouldn't have. We want what other people have, but we got to get this right in our heart today. Notice here what 1 Timothy chapter 6, 7 through 10 says. I kind of want to surmise this the best that I can. It says, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. 
for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Man, if that ain't true, I don't know what is. You've seen it. I've seen it. But this scripture is really great because it's really helping us to keep the main thing, the main thing. If you got food and clothing, you need to be content. You know why? Somebody is living under a bridge. Somebody is outside. I remember I walked uh, and got some mail one day and it was very cold. And I was thinking to myself, Lord, I thank you for my house. I thank you for heat. But then I had this passing thought. Somebody is outside and it is freezing tonight. See, sometimes we don't realize how blessed we are if we don't pay attention to our surroundings. And it was just at that moment that I became grateful when the cold air hit my body and I realized, man, there is literally somebody outside who is sleeping on a park bench, under a bridge, sleeping on a freeway, maybe in a car and they don't have any food to eat. Trust me, when you got the basic essentials, you really need to be grateful. I'm going to tell you, you rich and you don't even know it. See, we don't even know what rich is. See, we look at social media. We look at all of these other things that people are doing because we think, you know, uh, all of these cars and jewelry and vacationing here and there. We think that person is rich. They, they could be stunting. They could be fronting. They could be doing all kinds of things for the camera. But the reality is when you truly know that you have food to eat, you got clothes, you got a place to stay. God says you are wealthy because people fall into this trap all the time. It's temptation. They don't know what to do. They can't get out of it. But God is saying, learn to be content. Because because loving money, it does bring misery. I mean, we look at the lottery and people riding by seeing these signs and saying, man, it's up to a billion dollars. Let me go and play. But they don't understand. And I've seen Christian folks do this. They'll go play lotteries, the numbers and different things. They don't truly trust God. Let me say this to you. When you give your life to God, I highly doubt that the way that he wants to bless you is through the world system. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, certain things can't happen to you, but I highly doubt that that's God's way that he wants to do it. He wants to bless you his way and his way ain't always your way. And sometimes we think we ready for all that money, but I've read the stories. I've looked at certain Internet articles and I've seen people who went from rags to riches. And trust me, they went right back to rags because they just could not handle it. I think we need to really be paying attention to these things. Number two, keep from the love of money and be content. Keep from it. What am I saying? Don't go to work? No. What I'm saying is keep your heart away from loving money, but keep your heart more on loving God. And when you do, you'll be content with that. We ought to understand that just having God is enough. Maybe I need to rephrase that. Let me ask this question. Is having God enough for you? If just having God in and of itself, is that enough for you? Or do you need all these other things? God in and of itself, as great as he is, should be enough for you. You know why? Because if I got God, 
I got everything else. You know why? Because he owns everything anyway. But sometimes that's not enough even for the believer. And I think that grieves the Holy Spirit because once again, we've walked in the trap. We've been deceived because we think we need more than what we need. God is not a wasteful God. Every gift, skill, talent, everything that he has given you, he already knows what your capacity is to be able to handle it. You don't know. This is why we have to walk with God intelligently and know whatever he has given us, he knows this is something he has ordained for your life. And you still have to manage anything God gives you. If you don't manage it, it's just going to get out of way. So we have to understand that as well. Number three, contentment promotes peace. You know how to get you some peace in your life. We know that keeping our minds stayed on him brings peace. But I would also say being content, just being thankful for what you have promotes peace. Again, we look at our neighbor. We look at TV. We look at stars, entertainers, and we look at their life and we say, I wish I had their life. And most of those people are not happy buying this, buying that. All of it is external. But God is really trying to help us to understand being content brings about tranquility. I'm telling you, man, the older I get, peace is probably the number one thing for me. I just want to be somewhere where people love me and I love them and I'm good. Whatever I need to have or whatever I want, I'm not going to stress out about it. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, in my early 20s, you know, I did all that stuff, fast life, whatever the case may be, wanting this, wanting that. But man, when you really start walking with God, he changes your view of this word called life. And it's going to be lived in a different way based on your maturity level. Notice what the scripture says here in Proverbs chapter 17, verse number one. It says, better a dry crust with peace and a quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Now I'm going to read that again. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. It is better, the Bible says, with a dry crust than it is with a than it is with a full of feasting with strife or a house, I should say, full of feasting and strife. I'm telling you, it is the little small things that we think are not important. But it is my prayer for you today that you will get a revelation of the small things in your life that are really big things. Number four, life does not consist in what one possesses. How many times have we heard that? The life does not, the sum total of life does not consist of what one possesses. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse number 15, if you can. Luke chapter 12 Verse number 15, then Jesus said to them, he said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know why? Because you can't take none of it with you. But in this world, I'm telling you, man, we work to accumulate. Accumulate what? You can't take it anywhere. Any funeral I've ever done, I've never seen sitting by the casket all of the man or the woman's worldly possessions. No, 
They can't take nothing. The only thing you can take up out of here is your faith in God. If you got one in the first place, if you don't have that, you really don't have anything at all. And that's the most important thing. Sure. There'll be some things that, you know, you'll be able to uh, have, you know, whether it's a house or a car or a boat or whatever the case may be. But those things are just possessed. Those things are just tools for you to enjoy life and to be able to get around and do what you got to do. But many people still don't understand in 2023 that a man's life, the sum total of a man's life is not in the thing that he possesses. When you get sick, trust me, you ain't thinking about all the money you got in your account. When you get sick, you ain't thinking about your nice, shiny car. When you get sick and you bedridden, you ain't thinking about all the jewels you got. There's superstars and entertainers that can confirm this. There are people that are saved that can confirm this. Trust me, when you are flat on your back and you can't move and your body is racking with pain, all you want to know is that God is with you and you with God. And if that's what you got, that's more than all the things that you could have ever accumulated. And unfortunately, people again have walked right in this trap. Don't walk into this trap thinking that if I'm a Christian and God says I'm supposed to be blessed, then that means I'm supposed to have all this stuff. That's not true. Really, a blessing when God talked about being blessed, he pronounced something on people. It was a divine empowerment. See, when you are blessed, you are empowered by God to do what he tell you to do. And it's going to be successful. We look at blessings the wrong way. And I'm going to say the world now has hijacked this word called blessed, blessed life, blessing, hashtag I'm blessed. And when you ask them what that means, they give you natural things. They give you things that they have, things that they own, cars, houses, jewelry, CDs, uh, all kind of other things that they have. That don't mean you blessed because you got all that stuff. Man, Jesus told that man, he said, fool, your soul is going to be required of thee. That man was putting all kind of stuff in barns. He took a mount, tore the barn down and he built greater barns, put more things, uh, uh, possessions that he had and didn't know that was his last day on the planet. Isn't that something? Sometimes we don't know when the end is going to be because we have not made any provision for the world that we're going to live in in eternity, whether that's going to be with God or a place called hell. And so we got to make sure that we are doing what we need to do now to make sure that we know where we're going to spend eternity. I think that's so key and I think that's so important. Let's look here. Point number five. Put covetousness to death. Man, this is key. Covetousness is tearing up the world, I believe. Just my own personal opinion. Covetousness. And here's what that really means. Wanting what somebody else got. We love to want what somebody else got, but we don't know how they got it. So why would I want it? See, this is why we got to be careful. Whatever your natural eyes are seeing is not really what they're seeing. We need discernment. You can be grateful and thankful for your little car and look at somebody else driving down the street in a nice Mercedes and say, man, that's a nice car without getting frustrated and upset in your heart saying, I wish I had that. I deserve to have that. I can't believe they have that. See, that's what covetousness is. 
See, it's not what you say so much out of your mouth, but it's your heart because God looks at the heart. God know you might want a nice car or a nice house, but I don't have to want what they have. Cause again, I don't know how, what, or what they did to get it. And that's what I'm trying to educate you about. Don't want what somebody else had, man. You don't know. They may have stole that car. That may not even be their car. They might be riding a uh, mama's car or their father's car or their wife's car or whatever the case may be. That may be a rental. You have no idea, amen, what that's all about. But being content and truly understanding the power of putting covetousness to death is going to help you be content in life. Notice what Colossians the book, the book of Colossians says here, uh, chapter three, verse number five, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Notice what it says, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. We got to put this to death. And most certainly, man, we live in a visual world today, it's far more than what I lived in 30, 40 years, 30, 40 years ago, because we got these phones, we got these tablets. And I mean, they can notify you of this and that and the other. And they showing you pictures and everything else, man, so much trouble you can get in with these devices on your phone. But we got to realize and understand, beloved, that if God is truly going to help us navigate through life, we cannot get caught up in evil desires because it will take you out. Put covetousness away. Here's one of the ways you do it. When you see somebody blessed, you say, thank God, praise God for them and keep going. Don't focus on it. Keep going. Oh, that's a real good key. I hope you heard what I said. Anytime you see somebody blessed, new house, new car, promotion, whatever, say, you know what? Thank God for them and keep going. See, what happens is we stop and we look and we stare and we're thinking about it and we're pondering it. And all the while, while you looking at what you looking at, Something is changing in you, but all you got to do, do a quick drive by. So if you find out somebody got a new house, new car, new promotion, thank God for it. Praise God for it. I thank God for this brother getting this, this sister getting that, but you keep moving, keep walking by faith. And when you do that, see, see what happens is you're not stuck in what you're looking at. This is what gets us into temptation. See, temptation happens because you stopped and you looked at it. And then when you looked at it, you had certain thoughts, you had certain things you was conjuring in your mind, certain things you said, man, if I get the opportunity, this is what I'm going to do. This is how you get messed up. But keep moving briskly, walking by faith, not getting stuck in a rut, uh, not being entangled again, with that yoke of bondage. Number six, principle number six, you can't serve two masters at one time. Now, how many times have you heard that? But sometimes we try to do it, but you can't. You cannot serve two masters at one time. You gonna have to make a choice at some point in your walk with God, who you gonna choose. Are you gonna choose the Lord or are you gonna choose the God of this world? Who are you going to choose? See, because God is not going to make you make this decision. You are going to have to make a choice about who you are going to serve. If you serve God, you're going to have to go with him. 
and you're going to have to learn to trust him and you're going to have to learn to walk with him and you're going to have to learn to accept. And I trust me when I tell you what God has for you is so far greater than the stuff that you conjuring up in your mind. Our little finite peanut brain cannot come up with all the wonderful things that he has already. The scripture says, prepare for them that love it. God already knows the things that he's prepared for you. So stop trying to prepare your own meal. Who would get a chef and go in the kitchen and start cooking with him? Who does that? That makes no sense. If you're paying the chef, man, let him cook. Let him buy the meal. Surely tell him what you want to eat. Tell her what you want to eat. But you know what? Go put your feet up and let that chef do his thing. Let God do his thing. He's the master chef. He know how to cook up a dish and you eat that thing. Like, man, this is the best blessing. I didn't even know God had this for me. I had no idea God could put this together for me. God will do some things for you. It'll make you hit your knees so fast and start thinking and praising God. He's so, God is so vast. He know. listen, God knows everything. See, man thinks he's smarter than God, but he's not. God knows everything. See, we got to think to create. God don't, God don't have to think to create. The moment it's in his mind, it's done. <laughs> so we got to learn again how to understand that you just cannot serve two masters. Your heart is going to be divided. Notice what the scripture says here, Matthew chapter 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm going to say it to the people all the way in the back. You cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. But watch this. If you serve God, he'll give you some money. But see, watch this. If you serve the God of this world, he'll take your money from you. So who do you want in your corner? Do you want God who knows all things? Or do you want Satan and all of his minions telling you what to do and just taking all that you have and using you and destroying you in the process? I think you're smarter than that. I know you're smarter than that. And we get caught up and we think that we know the way, but we don't. Let's trust God. And finally, point number seven, seek first God's kingdom. You know what that truly means when we seek first God's kingdom? What it said, seek first his kingdom. Remember, I told you that contentment means to be content, to accept in faith with thankful heart and submissive spirit, that which God in his grace and wisdom ordains for us. So when we talk about seek first God's kingdom, we have to understand that God's kingdom is not the world system. It's something separate. God has a way that he wants to do what he's going to do. And so we got to get into God's way of doing things. If we're going to really truly understand that he has a kingdom and resources and, and people and all of those things. And God is the God of his own kingdom. See, he don't need anybody else to help it, but he's got people in his kingdom that he has ordained to help you. And so when you get into God's kingdom, and you start understanding how to operate in God's kingdom and know that he's the king of his kingdom, that he has everything that you need there. And he knows how to get it 
to you. Matthew chapter 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, given to you as well. Notice again what it says. Seek first, not second, not third, not fourth. So whatever you're trying to get in life, God says, come to me first. You do know there's a difference between first base, second base, and third base, right? There's a difference between you saying, I went to God first, or I went to my mama first, or I went to my prayer partner first. God says, every situation that you are in, come to me first. God says, when you come to me first, I'm going to show you what you have to do. And that righteousness is understand and his righteousness. Understand this, that God is righteous and he wants to impute righteousness to those that will seek him. In other words, I'm right. I'm in right standing with God. I am the righteousness of God. So it is God's good pleasure for me to have the very thing that he's ordained for my life. That's where we get messed up. We go to the world for things. We don't go to God first. How many times have you gotten in trouble and you start going to everybody else but God? I believe that's an insult to him. If God says to me directly here in this passage, in Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom, his way of doing things. Don't you think that God is saying, do this first, but we get in trouble. We don't, we do everything else. And God is our last option. How many times have you just went through a B and C and then you say, Oh, I'm going to finally go to God. Come on. That is so disrespectful. We got to get back to reverencing what his word says. We got to get back to doing what his word told us to do. And when we do these things, we will be able to operate in this thing called the kingdom. Whether or not you know it, you have been translated from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We should be living in a whole nother realm. We should be doing things differently than our unsaved relatives, people on our jobs, people in this world. I'm going to admonish you today in order for you to be content. You got to give up and give in and say, I got to get up out of the ways of the world and get into God's way of doing things. Jesus was never stressed out when he was walking through this thing called life. When he was on the planet, he knew he was in Jerusalem and certain places that he was, but he knew his kingdom was of another place. And so really what God wants to do when he talks about the kingdom of God is drop it in your heart. That's where the king wants to reside in your heart let the king and his kingdom rule in you and you'll know what to do you'll know where to go you'll know what to say you'll know how to flow you'll know what you'll know everything you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it because you are a citizen of the kingdom of god all right. Those are the seven things that I wanted to give you today. I pray that this lesson on contentment helped you, blessed you in some kind of way. If so, I want you to reach out to me today. Do it right now at info at thomasadeloach.com. Let me know this episode blessed you. Send this episode to a friend, a family member, a co-worker who you know is dealing with stress and worry and anxiety. There are so many people that are dealing with with this thing called stress. Most of us are, but we don't know how to deal with it. 
But I believe that this lesson will help you and recalibrate you and those that you love to deal with this thing. Right. Listen, I have a website. Go there. ThomasADeloach.com. There you will find things about me, things about my advocacy. I am a pastor. You're always welcome to our church. Love to fellowship and worship with you at any time. You can get all of those details and tools on the website. It'll tether you back to my church's website if you connect with me there. And finally, if these shows are being a blessing to you and you want to financially partner with me to continue to to empower other people, I want you to go to my website again, thomasadeloach.com. All the way down to the bottom of the screen, there's a donation tab. Click that tab and there you'll be able to give to your heart's desire. No dollar amount is too big or too small and everything that you give helps me to produce a quality show. These shows are free for you to listen to, but I do have to pay people so that you can have some type of quality as you are listening to me, making sure the sound is good so that you can enjoy the show. So do it today. Trust me. God will bless you immensely. Listen, I'm always praying for you, believing God's best for you. Go out and be great today and above all things, be empowered. Thank you for listening to my show to empower you. If you were blessed, inspired, and encouraged, please send me a praise report, prayer requests, or show ideas to info at thomasadeloach.com. And follow me on Instagram at Thomas A. Deloach and Facebook at Dr. Thomas A. Deloach. And remember, you can go to my website anytime at www.thomasadeloach.com. Until next time, be empowered.